you know, the parents think that they're doing a service to their child, that the child will get a better life. But the reality is 99% of those children end up in prostitution or drug gangs. None of us would expect in our lives to, you know, have children in our lives and, and, and love them and cherish them and then have to make that decision of giving them away. This is not an easy decision. And I knew that I could make a difference. I don't have skills in everything, but I know the skills that I do have and I know that I can apply them. And so I, I just said to them, what can I do to help? Our world needs help. We see it every day in big ways and small ones. Sometimes it's great, you can just jump in and fix it. But sometimes it feels like all you can do is throw up your hands and say, what can I possibly do to help? So in the face of one of our planet's most overwhelming problems, how does one person decide to make a difference? For Brisbane's Selena Tomasic, it took believing in her own skills and being prepared to ask for help to build on them. I'm Mary Bolling and this is CQ University's How to Change a Life. This episode is our first one back for a second season and we're starting with serious inspiration as we hear what one woman has done to change thousands of lives and to save them. In the spirit of reconciliation, CQ University recognises this episode was recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Yuggera-speaking people of Woolloongabba in Brisbane and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne. We pay respects to Elders past and present and their life-changing connection to country and culture. So my name is Selena Tomasic and I am the CEO and founder of HairAid. Firstly, we go overseas and we work with women that have been rescued from sex trade or prostitution or the drug lords or people that are living in critical poverty and we teach them a really simple basic skill of how to cut hair. And with that skill, they're able to change their life and find a pathway out of poverty. The other thing that we do is that we do hair aid community cuts here in Australia. We have more than 87 locations now and every six weeks, dedicated volunteers turn up and provide free haircuts to people in need. So that's a lot. But believe it or not, hair aid is just one of the many hats Selena wears. Before hair aid even started, she was already a busy academic teaching business entrepreneurship and a mum to three kids. In fact, life was so busy that it took until 2010 when Selena and her husband Mark were in their mid-40s for the couple to set off on their first ever overseas trip, backpacking through the Philippines. And on our last night before we were to come home, my husband wanted to find a cold beer and an Australian football match to watch. So we found a little Aussie pub. And within that pub, we met two beautiful ladies. I'm a bit of a have a chat. I love talking to people and I love hearing people's stories. Before I chatted to Selena, I'm not sure I'd ever heard someone call themselves a have a chat, but I reckon everyone knows one. And if you're not one, the idea of talking to strangers might sound horrifying, but it's actually an important part of this story and of Selena's success. Being ready to chat to anyone means you're open to new ideas and experiences and the opportunities they can unlock. And that day, it turns out Selena is chatting in the pub with cold beers all round to two Catholic nuns. And she said, well, I work for an organisation that collects the children that have been left on the street by their parents. 
And I said, what do you mean leave on the street? And they said, well, they leave them on the street corners in the hope that an orphanage or another charity or a not-for-profit will come and pick the children up and give them a better life than the parents can give them. And I said, oh, okay, so you work for an orphanage? And she said, no, not really. We're a little bit different. She said, what we do is we collect the children and we keep them safe. And then we look after their immediate needs and we look after their health care and they, we feed them and we give them a fresh set of clothes and they, um, you know, look after their spiritual needs. They're a Catholic society over there. And when the child feels more comfortable and not as scared, maybe two or three days, they ask them, what's your parents' name? Where do you come from? What province did you live in? And then they go back to that province and they find the parents and they say, we have your child and they are safe but why did you leave them on the street corner? Because the other sad story, not only is it sad that parents feel that they have to do that because they can't afford to feed their children, that's where the drug mules also look for children. That's where the prostitution gangs look for children. They know that parents will go there. And, in fact, sometimes they even dress and imitate uh, stuff from an orphanage or something like that. Um, and, you know, the parents think that they're doing a service to their child, that the child will get a better life. But the reality is 99% of those children end up in prostitution or drug gangs. And it's, it's, a, it's a horrible life. They are severely um, hurt. Um, you know, they are desensitised. They're demoralised. Um, you know, they're fractionised from other people. And even though there might be a gang of like six to eight-year-olds altogether, their captives basically pit each other against each other so they don't they know not to trust anybody. And sometimes these children are taken across borders, so out of the Philippines, maybe over into China. And, of course, the, their language is taken away from them, so they have no language, they have no culture, they have no family, they're captives, and they don't, they, they're tiny. They're tiny little kids, they don't know what to do. And 10 years later, they've been used and abused and they basically get thrown back onto the streets, broken, um, so when Kate was telling me this story, I was like horrified. Like I, I have children, I have three children of my own. And not only would I never want to be in that situation of that being that parent to decide which one of my children, you know, I thought was strong enough to go to that street corner and stand there. And, but also, you know, that what those children go through is just diabolical. And so I, I just said to them, what can I do to help? Okay, so let's pause here because what Selena's told us and what she heard at that pub that day, it's hard to imagine a more heartbreaking story. So what is it in Selena then and in her experience to that point that makes her think she has something to offer here and that she can help? Well, this isn't the first time that Selena has tackled a problem and actually she's been finding ways to fix things for a long time. So I was actually kicked out of high school. Um, I didn't get to graduate, uh, which meant that, you know, my life choices, which ultimately stopped. And because um, I'm a rat bag, I got kicked out. And then I'm like, well, I don't have family to do anything. So what do I do? And then, you know, I did, I did get a job and I got a job in a bank and there's nothing wrong with working in a bank. That's a great job. Um, but for me, I've always wanted to be an educator and I've always wanted to be a school teacher. You know, I knew to do those things that I needed good quality education, but not just go and get a piece of paper, but utilise the knowledge through that learning and apply it. Um, so I went in as a mature age student, student and um, at my undergrad, I did a dual degree 
And um, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. It was like, this is where I was supposed to be my entire life. And I love the fact that lecturers stand in front of you and they just freely share their knowledge and experience. And you, you don't get that from talking to people around a barbecue. So Selena says she's a rat bag, but actually she's dyslexic, which makes focusing tough. Despite that, her really clear focus on her goal to teach means Selena goes on to complete her undergraduate degrees and then in 2006 decides to enrol in a master's in human resources. CQU was an obvious choice for me and I think it was really significant the subjects that were available. They weren't available in any other university at that time. Um, so I'd, I'd done my research on where I was going to go. So having the, that skill set, and I, that was my first um, university qualification where I studied online, um, but I didn't, I didn't ever feel that I was disconnected in any way because I could still talk to the lecturers. I would quite often like talk to people and say, you know, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to achieve this, you know, I want to create this particular organisation, what am I doing, how can I help? And they would help me, um, you know, so you, you create this great network as you go through university, not just the pe- not just your fellow students but also your lecturers and that. And if you are there and you are sharing your goals, what you want to achieve, then people are going to jump on board. So whether it's through online study or at the pub with a cold beer, Selena's got form in making connections. And back to the pub, those two nuns, Sister Claudia and Sister Kate, actually have a really clear idea for how Selena can help. The way we can help is making sure that those parents don't have to make those decisions, that we can give them a livelihood skill that's going to change their life and in turn change their children's life. So, you know, I just said, I will help. What do you need? And they said, well, we'd love to be able to teach people how to sew. Now, the two nuns couldn't have known this, but needing to sew is a problem Selena has come up against before. Newly married and in their first home, Selena and Mark can't afford curtains. So Selena goes to night classes at TAFE, learns how to sew and starts making them. For her home, then for a friend and another friend, and soon she's running a curtain warehouse. So experience with sewing, Selena has it. Turning that experience into a global aid initiative, this is new ground. But Selena's not daunted because she knows how to have a chat. So I went back to one of the the university I was working at at that stage and I said to the university students, you know what, university studies are incredible. You really need that. You need that qualification to get you where you are. But having real-life experience wrapped around that degree that you're studying for is important as well. So if you want to get some real life experience, I'm about to head back to the Philippines and set up an international business, a training centre, and we'd love to have you on board. Back then in 2010, more than a quarter of all Filipino people live in extreme poverty and paid work is rare, especially for women. Selena's sewing project with the Sisters of Charity invites women from the slums to come and learn to sew, and each time she visits, she's taking more volunteer students and seamstresses and training more eager women. In those early days, one of the women, Rosalinda, invites Selena and her volunteers back to visit her home in a riverbank slum and to see her handiwork. Rosalinda stood on the top of this bank and she had this little tiny pair of boys' shorts that she'd sewn out of Mickey Mouse fabric. I can still see the 
the fabric that she'd had it made out of. And she stood up there and she said in Tagalog um, to the, her community, she held these shorts up and she said, look what I have done. I have sewn these. I'm going to have a market stall. Everyone was just like, had total respect for her and they was totally in awe of her and they were so proud of her. And um, then, you know, um, she was so proud of herself. And then she took me over to her home, which was actually just a hole dug in the ground. Um, and she dug it by hand and she, Rosalinda did have five children. Um, two of them had passed away. One had passed away from illness and one had passed, a young, another young boy had passed away because he was, was standing on the causeway near the river and um, torrential rain came through and flash flood. And he was washed in and underneath the drain and he was, his body was spat out further down the river and he'd passed away. And so Rosalinda lived in this hole with her three remaining children and um, she had a, a piece of cardboard which she put in the hole at night so they could sleep not in the dirt. Um, and she had this old vinyl sign that she'd stolen from the um, either side of the road, which was a uh, protection from rain that she put over the top of the hole. But she was so, so super proud of this particular home um, and super proud because she'd been smart enough to dig this hole right beside a old sewerage pipe. And so instead of um, her children, herself and her children going down to the river and using it as a toilet, they used this pipe and that was their toilet. So she felt like she had a home with a toilet. For me, seeing that critical poverty and knowing that the schools that we provided her in that small training time, creating those products that she can sell at market and change her family's life, you know, that's the value of education right there. And, you know, her life has totally changed and she's moved on and she lives, you know, in a rented home and the children go to school and they have good food and good water and all that sorts of things. You know, from such horrible situations, they can create so much. As part of the project, Selena establishes a sewing centre with donated machines. The women can access fabric cutoffs from industry for free, the centre is free, and everything they make earns them money. Lives are being changed. So Selena asks the nuns, well, what's next? Again, they have an answer ready, training women to cut hair. Selena registers Hair Aid as a charity in 2013 and starts taking teams of 30 volunteers on week-long projects overseas. The week ends with a graduation ceremony and Selena remembers one of those first ceremonies, a graduate standing up saying, thank you for training us. Now my children will not die. That is life-changing stuff. And Growing Hair Aid has even given Selena a chance to improve lives at home too. I do it because of the outcomes that's created, not only when we train women overseas, but even here in Australia when we offer free haircuts to people in need. The value and the power of a free haircut for people who are homeless or, um, you know, are couch surfing and particularly, you know, after we've had these last two years around Australia, many people have lost their businesses, families um, have lost incomes, not one income, maybe two incomes, and, and they're struggling, you know, they're really struggling financially and that's a huge burden to themselves, um, which impacts on their mental health. And us being able to provide free haircuts it's a huge gift and it's really welcomed and it's um, and it's such a beautiful um, space to be when hairdressers come. Hairdressers are amazing people. Um, 
But when hairdressers come together and they just focus on that one person and they give them, you know, that little bit of time that maybe that little bit of relief from reality for a moment and then they look at themselves with their new fresh haircut and it can do wonders for them. It can make a homeless person, you know, seek medical help or reconnect with family or go for a job or apply for housing or just reach out to the local community centre and get connected with the services that can help. Um, I just recently did one of our community cuts and there was a a lovely lady there turned up and um, she had uh, three children with her, three of her boys. I just turn up to these events. I don't cut hair, but I love to talk to the guests. And she said, would it be possible that I could get all three of my children's haircut? And I'm like, of course. And she said, it's just they're going back to school and they need a certain haircut for their school. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. And that's all good. And I said, what about you? Would you need a haircut? She said, no, no. She goes, I'm okay. Like, don't worry about me, just the children. I said, no, they're here for you too. And she said, and she like, she burst into tears. And she said, what I really need is my husband's haircut. She said, because he's been going for job interviews and we haven't been able to afford haircuts. And I said, well, where is he? She said, oh, he's at home. Because they'd also come and there was a food, um, a food handout as well. And um, she said, he's, she said, we're not normally here. I'm embarrassed because I'm driving whatever type car she was. Like it was a good quality car. She said, but I lost my job, you know, 14 months ago. My husband lost his job 12 months ago. And she said, we've got a mortgage and we're paying off the cars and we've got the three kids in semi-private school. And she said, and, you know, like all of these things. And it's a huge burden to her. And I said to her, you know, could you bring your husband? Please ask him to come down. And I said, while we're waiting for him, you're getting your haircut. And, you know, for, for that family, that could have possibly saved them $180. There's just so much. And we think, you know, oh, it's the homeless. But it's not. It's, it's just that every, every seam of, of society needs that little bit of help. And this is what Hair Aid does. It just provides those great outcomes for the people, you know, that can't do it for themselves for a minute. So even through the depths of the pandemic, Selena is making hair aid work and the impact starts with having a chat. When I asked Selena about having that confidence to start the chat and to ask, how can I help? She believes there's only one way to get it. You've got to know your values and then use them to grow your experience. I think I've been entrepreneurial for a very long time, but um, you know, and I still do it now. It's like I see a problem and I just find the solution. I create whatever is needed around it. Um, I'm also a bit of a, um, an executioner as such. Like, I'd, you know, you, are, you want something done. Um, I'm, I'm happy to do whatever I can. And what I, what I don't know, I'm just going to ask somebody else to come along and help me. Um, I think, you know, it's having that confidence to know that what you're doing is valuable and when you share your story and people say, can I help? Then, you know, one becomes two, two becomes 40, 40 becomes 2,000. And now, you know, we've got more than 3,500 volunteers actively involved in Hair Aid, um, not just here in Australia, like all over the world. But I think one of the most important things, I, think, I hope that I've shared this with all of my students, you know, always is um, get your hands dirty, try things. It doesn't matter if your outcome isn't what you fully ex- intended in the beginning because you'll learn along the way and your experiences are, you know, just as valuable as your formal education. That's great, that little piece of paper that you might have, but can you actually do it? 
Selena Tomasic there, the founder and CEO of HairAid, and she's asking the ultimate question, what can we do? And for everything she has done, Selena is CQ University's 2022 Alumnus of the Year for Social Impact. To learn more about CQ University's business and entrepreneurship courses, visit cqu.edu.au slash business. And for more about our commitment to social impact and innovation, as Australia's only changemaker university accredited by Ashoka U, visit cqu.edu.au slash changemaker. You've been listening to How to Change a Life by CQ University Podcasts. Theme music is Wings by CQ University alumnus Tristan Barton. Check out more of his work at tristanbartonmusic.com. If How to Change Your Life has got you thinking about where you're headed, we'd love to hear. If How to Change Your Life has got you thinking about where you're headed, we'd love to hear. Follow CQ University across social media where you can see highlights from all our episodes and you can subscribe to How to Change Your Life wherever you get your podcasts to hear a new story fresh every Thursday. And for more inspiring people, stay in your podcast app where you can listen back to the first season of How to Change Your Life to hear life-changing stories from inside prison to business startups, on our beaches, in migrant communities, on dangerous long-haul truck routes, and in our stressed-out construction industry. Next episode, how a Cairns mum becomes an award-winning First Nations lawyer and how she's changing perceptions inside the legal world and outside. I had all this food left over. And I said to the secretary, what's happening with all this food? Oh, we're just going to throw it. I said, well, no, can I take it? And I had some fellow sisters with me. I said, come on, we'll grab all these paper. And they're like, it? like really? What are we going to do with this food? I said, when I walk back to the office, we're going to give it away to all those homeless people. <laughs> so I'm trying to spread that generosity. And that was a really big learning curve for them to see, not walk past those underprivileged people, to not block your eyes and have blinkers on. That's next week on How to Change a Life. Till then, stay safe and have a life-changing day. Mm-hmm.